Welcome to the Learn Stage Lighting Podcast. This is the show where newcomers and professionals alike come to learn more about stage lighting. And now your host, David Henry. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 34 of the Learn Stage Lighting Podcast. I'm David Henry, your host. Hard to believe we've gotten this far already. You know, it's a, we started this uh, earlier this year and uh, 34 already. You know, it's not one of those... Uh, big numbers that you celebrate but boy you know just looking at that number it's like wow we've, we've done a lot of talking and uh, today is is no exception we've got a really exciting day planned um here because today is free q a tuesday for those of you guys who are newer here that means that um, every other tuesday i'm going to be doing a q a segment where i email out the folks who uh, have subscribed to my email list over on lawyerandstagelighting.com grabbed one of those free guides and uh, gotten on the email list I send out an email to them or people send info um, through my contact form at learnstagelighting.com slash contact. We email that out, get your questions and answer them here live on the show. Now, it is worth noting that today's podcast is sponsored by Learn Stage Lighting Labs. And you may be asking yourself, what is Learn Stage Lighting Labs? And I'll be telling you more about it later in this episode. But for now, just know it's a place where you can get access to a bevy, many, many, many video tutorials, as well as personalized assistance straight from me. So you don't want to miss out on that. I'll tell you more about that later in this show. Right now, let's hit the questions. We've got a lot of them today. Um, I had a few, you know, ready before I sent out the email that the people had sent in. And then I sent out the email asking for questions and uh, the response has been great. And even, you know, I'm recording this, um, the, the next morning after I sent the email and uh, this podcast will come out about a week later. Um, and, um, you know, we got a lot of questions already and, and I'm sure more will probably come in and we'll have to get them on the next episode. So with that, let's talk to Rika. So Rika said, hi there. Um, or maybe Rika, I don't know. Nice to meet you. I'm looking for a special school in Canada that teaches about stage lighting. Do I know about some school? So Rika, um, this is kind of a loaded question. I don't know of any schools in Canada. Let's say that right off the bat. But when it comes to getting in this industry and doing what, what I do for a living, um, now I, I do a lot of teaching, but I used to do all lighting design and, and be a lighting tech as well. Um, but my career is mostly focused on design and executing shows out, um, lighting direction. And I didn't go to college. And a lot of people I worked with either didn't go to college or any sort of trade school or they went for something completely unrelated and they don't use their degree. Now, if occasionally I'll run into somebody who went to one of those trade schools. There's some here in the U S they advertise a lot. If you look for it, they're not hard to find. And you know, to tell you the truth, the, the those schools have a really bad reputation. Not that they're bad, but Sometimes um, graduates come out of there thinking they know everything and, and they could just, you know, do the biggest things. And you need some real world experience, too. So my recommend. So my recommendation to you as I stumble over my words there, Rick, is to, you know, I don't know what age you are, but I'm, I'm guessing you're probably a young person. That's who usually thinks about these kind of things. And I'm thinking back to when I was thinking about these kind of things. And and what I did was. I started seeking out and finding people who were in the industry, okay? The first thing I did was I volunteered on at a Christmas concert at, you know, a church, a mega church in the area. Um, and I volunteered at this Christmas concert to be part of the crew because you can do this, especially for Christian concerts because they don't have the money, especially if it's held in the church, for real labor. And, and it's the, the tours typically use volunteers. So... You can get in there, you know, get a couple free meals and uh, and volunteer and get to shadow, get to work with a, a lighting person um, at that show, you know, whoever the tour's lighting person is. And then, you know, at a slow point in the day, you know, if there is one, often there is in the middle of the day, you know, start to ask them about what they do, how they got into it. How could you get into that type of career? What's their job like? And, and start to distill, you know, that sort of thing. I can tell you that... Um, you know, a lot of people get into this business by working hard and, um, you know, going, you know, starting at a production company or a stage labor as a stagehand or something like that. And they work their way up and they learn that way. Um, that's a great thing to do. Honestly, I highly recommend that route. You can go, you can get a degree in theater or something like that 
And it can be helpful, especially if you're pursuing going into the theater world. But I'm not going to, it doesn't necessarily even make you more money than maybe going into a different part of the industry, like corporate events where I, you know, kind of found my niche or live music or anything like that. So my, my best thing to you, Rika, would be in your local area, if that's where you're going to stay, if that's where you want to work, find people who do lighting for a living, find production companies, ask if you can help out, you know, get a part-time job doing it, volunteer at local crews and begin to, you know, figure out in your local area, what's the best path to get where you want to go. Um, because it's going to vary a little bit from region to region and what, you know, the, the production companies in your areas are looking for and what they want and what they need, et cetera. So keep that in mind, Rika. Um, Greg wrote in and Hey, Greg, I think you're a learn stage lighting labs member. So, um, I will reach out to you and make sure, um, see if we can answer this deeper in the labs and get you some step-by-step -step if you need it. But I, I'm not sure you do it with, with what you're asking. So anyways, Greg wrote in and said, um, maybe this is a bit on the edge, but there are many complex lights out there now. And you're not seeing a lot on how to program, um, seeing pixel mapped fixtures and, um, you know, interesting stuff that's, you know, maybe a, an elation ZCL bar that has a moving yoke, um, variable zoom, but then pixel mapped head as well. So you, you're seeing lights out there that, you know, both have pixel mapping where they've got all these individual pixels that you can assign video to per se, but they also have elements of a regular light. They have pan and tilt, they have zoom, etc. And so, you know, now there, there, there's cheap units out there and use units. Um, and so, you know, you've seen stuff about using effects inside a lighting console, but how do you use effects within a fixture? How does this work? Um, and, and how, how do you work with this? So Greg, there's a few ways to kind of handle this. There's not um, a one size fits all answer. One method, you know, probably the uh, most versatile, but also slightly a bit more expensive and complex is to run your pixels as video. And the way you can do this is literally you hook up a program like Entex Elm or Resolume, um, which is, or Mad Mapper, which is a pixel mapping program. And what it allows you to do is play videos and then you arrange your lights in the, the 2D space or 3D and you tell the, the video player where your lights are in the space and it plays the video accordingly. It maps them, okay? And when you use something like this, you can go in there and, and you can patch, you know, just to the lighting console. You can have the lighting console just controlling the um, intensity, maybe, maybe not the intensity, but the, definitely the pan tilt and the zoom. And you can have the pixel mapper set up to just control the color. And there's different ways to set this up. Um, it's really going to be a case by case basis on how you set up that merging and how exactly you make it work based on what console you're using, on um, what fixtures, what um, output hardware, et cetera. So I'm not going to get into the weeds on that. So that's one way to do it, okay? That's the most versatile. But inside the unit, there's also going to be built-in chases and effects, and some of them can actually be really good. You know, a lot of times um, you, you, can, you can fire up in the fixture some different automated programs and chases, and, you know, the default, you know, I know my default, thought process when I see something like that is that, um, you know, I think, oh, that's just cheesy stuff for DJs or whatever, you know, just for sound active mode people, you know, I don't want to use that. But the truth is when you get into these fixtures that have a lot of parameters and a lot of pixels and stuff, you know, you may walk into a show where you don't have a lot of time to program. But if you spend a little time with that fixture and get to know its internal programs, especially if the manufacturer did a good job at designing them, which a lot of them do these days, you can create a darn good, cool-looking show utilizing those built-in programs. And you have to do a whole lot less programming, which you don't always have time for. So you can use the built-in programs as well. And, you know, last, as you alluded to, you can patch them into your console as a regular DMX fixture and run chases and effects across them. But the downside to this, of course, is you probably know, Greg, but um, everybody else may not know, is that this takes time. You know, building chases across a lot of fixtures um, can really take a lot of time. So those are kind of the options there, Greg. There's a lot of, you know, different ways to, to handle it. And it's really going to be a case-by-case -case basis on what exactly you do. So 
Rags writes in and says, I am a solo acoustic performer. You play twice a week at a local pub. There are two lighting strips on the ceiling with floods that put out very little light. I'd like to add some fright lighting to make my appearance stand out and be more appealing. I perform during the day, so the place is very bright. Um, but you want some differentiation on stage and have never worked with lighting before. All right, Rags. So I would go ahead, Rags, go to learnstagelighting.com, just the homepage. And right there, I've got a free guide for you to help you begin with lighting. Okay. Um, you'll click on band lighting and then you'll be able to enter your email and your name and it will send you that guide. Now that guide's going to walk you through a few things. It's going to show you kind of a basic setup that I, that I like to spec out to bands with a couple front light trees and, and a piece of software called DMXs by Antec, which is like the best way to control your lights from stage because you can run it from a foot pedal um, right along with your music. Just put your scenes in order and click that foot pedal through your show, or you can run it through a DAW if you're using backing tracks. I'm guessing you're not, but you might. Um, being a solo acoustic performer, you're, you're probably not using backing tracks, but you might use them. So you can use DMXs to control your lights. Now, for you, I would probably recommend, especially since there's some front light there, you know, just buying a few LED PAR type fixtures, uh, maybe LED strip lights, and, you know, use them on the floor or around the stage to, you know, maybe highlight a sign with your name on it or to highlight the back wall of the stage. Just to do some things, because you say there's already some light around and there's front light, just to shine on some areas around the stage to bring color, to bring some movement as you change those colors and maybe run chases on it during a fast song and, you know, draw attention to you. Because ultimately, you know, you're, you're, you're vying for attention in that local pub. You know, there's other things going on. People are talking and that's great and they should do that at the pub. But you also want them to pay attention to you and, and you know, hopefully uh, give you some tips. So that will really, you know, make the stage look different um, for people that go there a lot. They'll notice the difference, I think, and they'll, they'll notice, hey, this guy's, you know, this guy's higher quality. And, and I really think this is the way that a performer like you can really, with lighting, differentiate themselves to be able to, you know, move to a higher tier and, and start to make more just by adding this simple touch of lighting. And the great thing about DMXs is you program it to your songs. You know, you can drag them in order for your, your set that night. And then, you know, once it's pre-programmed, you just press the button. It's easy and you could do it with a foot pedal. So I highly recommend that and get that free guide, Rex. Go do that. That'll help you a lot. Um, so after Rex here, just quick break here. Um, Learn Stage Lighting Labs is our sponsor here on the Learn Stage Lighting podcast today. Uh, if you guys aren't aware of it, Learn Stage Lighting Labs is what I like to call a shortcut to your lighting success. Why is that? Well, the, the simple truth is you could go and, and the way a lot of people learn about lighting is they go out to a music store or a website or they call in somewhere and they go buy some stuff, right? And then they read the manuals, they figure out just barely how to get it to work together and then they're kind of underwhelmed and they've also wasted a lot of time hooking this all up, right? It takes a lot of time, you know, figuring it out. What is DMX? How do I wire this stuff? You know, addresses, blah, 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 blah. Um, and, you know, while that's one way to learn, there's another way as well. And inside of Learn Stage Lighting Labs, when you join, you'll, you'll, you'll learn a few things. The first is you'll learn how to set up the lights, okay? That technical info that you could have learned from, you know, throwing all these manuals together, uh, you'll learn that inside the labs with step-by-step -step tutorial videos. But you'll also learn kind of the what. You'll learn, okay, you know, if I'm lighting for a band, if I'm lighting for a church, if I'm lighting for DJ, how should I set up my lights? Where should I put my lights? Where should I focus my attention with the lighting? What kind of lights should I buy? You know, that segment alone inside of Warren Stage Lighting Labs is well worth the cost of admission because I watch so many people and I get lots of people who join the labs after they've bought things and they realize they've bought pieces and parts or maybe everything they've bought is not exactly what they need. And then they go buy something else. And so just getting in the labs so that you can figure out what you need before you buy is well worth the price of admission alone because it's going to save you that money. So um, Orient Stage Lighting Labs is like what I like to call a shortcut 
to making success in your lighting. So if you're new with lighting, if you're overwhelmed, if you're listening to this and you say, you know, I want to go deeper and I want to accelerate my path to success with lighting, to learning what I need and how to use it best for my type of lighting, then definitely check out Learn Stage Lighting Labs. There's going to be a link in the show notes up and you can also go to learnstagelighting.com slash labs and that's going to take you right to a page with some more information about it as well. So thank you for checking out our sponsor, Learn Stage Lighting Labs, as well as um, possibly joining if it's a good fit for you. All right, so our next question here is from Stefan or Stefan. Nope, that was the same guy. That was Rags, or maybe this is the same person. All right, I think this got sent in twice. I'm gonna go double check that here. All right, so our next question is from Stefan. Um, but I had the wrong question. I copied and pasted in there. So he wrote, uh, don't know if you'll see this on my do, but you've got a couple of questions. So you've got your whole band set programmed through automation in your DAW, your digital audio workstation using DMXs, what I was just talking about. Um, that great program for people on bands, even churches, you know, running uh, some basic lighting. And you were wondering if there's an easy way to do this. Okay, Stefan, so I'm going to quickly walk you through something I've got inside Learn Stage Lighting Labs. Um, I've got an action plan in there called Automatic and Live, and it teaches you basically the different ways to automate things inside of DMXs. So when you're, when you're in DMXs and you're using the plugin in your DAW, or maybe you're using MIDI, um, there's really two ways to control your lights. One way is you can go ahead and you can control every individual channel, okay, of every light. So all 512 channels, you can control those individually inside of DMXs. And I'm guessing that's what you're doing. Now, you can also go ahead, taking it a step a little bit easier, is inside of Ableton, you can use, I believe they're called macros, and there are these little groups in there where you can group, you know, maybe all your reds, all your greens, all your blues together, you know, different lights, and that can save you a little time. But then the best saving time is to use the other method um, of the DMX's plugin inside of Ableton or whatever DAW you're in. You can do this over MIDI as well to select the banks and presets for what you want to do. So you can literally go in there and build in DMX's. This is the quickest way and the way I like to do it is build a bunch of scenes, build a bunch of presets as they're called in DMXs that go through and, you know, maybe you've got one for different colors, you know, different chases, just different elements you want to use during your show. And you program all that stuff inside of DMXs. And then, you know, I would just you do it in the standalone program even. And then go ahead, close the standalone program, open up your DAW, pull in the VST or, or use it via MIDI to the standalone program. And, um, and then you can just trigger those scenes. You can just trigger those banks and presets whenever you want them in your set. And so that's, that's the easier way to do it for sure. Um, if you do need help with that inside of Learn Stage Lighting Labs, like I mentioned, there is a full action plan called Automatic and Live that walks you through this. And also even easier than that, there's actually a program called Show Buddy, and uh, we'll link to it in the show notes. It's just um, showbuddy.com, I believe. But um, showbuddy.com, we'll check that. But um, nope, it's not. But that's okay. We'll link to the actual link in the show notes for you um, at dmx.com. But basically, it's a simplified DAW. So I'm guessing you're probably using you know, different more than just a stereo backing track. But if you were just using a stereo backing track and you wanted a simpler um, way of playing things back, the companion program to DMX is called Show Buddy and it'll play back your backing tracks and then you can just drag in your scenes. It's really easy to simply drag in your scenes and be able to um, get, you know, those scenes exactly in your DAW, in, in Show Buddy, you just drag them in, match them right to your music, and that's all you got to do. So it's really simple as well. Um, I've got things inside of Action Plans too, inside of Learn Stage Lighting Lab, so that are going to show you how to use that. All right. So, uh, Lionel, Lionel, uh, sometimes I don't pronounce well, 
um, names that are not from the U.S., um, I'm guessing. He says, um, hi, David, how are you? I wanted to ask how many fixtures can DMXs control? I know it's 512 channels and all that, but I'm asking because I have some issues. Okay, let's read into what your issues are. So the problem is I can work with some lights with no issues. In fact, I've made my band lighting show. We run it through Ableton, no problem for shows of up to 500 people. But someone saw this show and asked how you made the lights and you told him how you did it. And then he approached me to make the show for my band. I said, yes. And uh, it's a show for 20,000 people in a festival with the Grand Domain. You have no idea how it works. So, so okay, so it looks like um, there's a little bit of a loss in translation here, but it looks like, so somebody's asked you to light their band for a show, and, and it's at a festival, and of course they're using Grand MA2 because that is um, really the popular console for a lot of festivals. So you download MA2 on PC and watch the tutorials, but you have no idea how to make things work. So you're thinking to yourself, can you work with DMXs and have a great show? Um, what are my thoughts on this? Or should you just cancel and let someone with more experience and do it? Any advice would be excellent. Have a great day. All right. So uh, this is a hard question. Because so basically you're going from DMXs, which is not the most simple lighting controller out there, but it's close to the most simple. And it can do some great stuff and, and it can make a great show. As you've seen, as someone saw your show for your band, it asked you to run lights for them at a big festival. Um, and now, granted, they're not headlining, pro I'm guessing. Maybe they are. Um, but regardless, um, oh, here's the thing. Um, I'm trying to think of the best ways to explain this. If you're basically... There's a few things going on. Is um, You can learn MA2. You can learn the Grand MA, and it's a great console. It's one of the most complex and, uh, you know, consoles out there. It's used on a lot of big shows, and it's a great console. It's expensive, too, as you've probably noticed, but you're not buying it. Um, somebody else already owns it. But here's the, th the second part. So so you can learn Grand MA. It's going to take you some time, okay? It's, it's not a quick and easy console to learn. I know how to use it and I program shows on it and it's a great console, you know, but it's not quick and easy to learn. Now, the second part is that if your friend's band isn't headlining this show, then you're not going to get time to program, okay? You're going to be able to walk in, you know, maybe have, you know, the time while they're setting the stage, the 15 minutes, or maybe a little, maybe you can schedule a little bit more time at the edge of the day to you know, get to check out the rig, maybe program a thing or two, etc. But most likely, if your if your friend's band is not headlining this festival, then you're not going to get time to program the rig on, on the actual rig itself, because that that programming time goes to the the lighting designers of the headliners. Generally, um, every festival is going to be different, but but generally that's how it works. So, my best guess, my best thing for you would be, you know, you can do it um, and you can learn it and you can run the show for your, your friend's band, but what would be better and what would actually serve them better and bring you a better show is this. So when you get to the festival and, and previous to it, there is going to be some lighting company providing the lighting in the MA and they're going to have a lighting designer there. And that lighting designer's responsibilities, you know, there may be one or two of them, um, is to help guest designers program their stuff and to run lights for the bands that don't have a lighting designer. And so one of the best things you can do, honestly, for your friend's show is you could go walk in and do one of two things. Either, you know, talk to the guy and he's going to show you, okay, I've got this set up kind of as a generic festival page. You know, here's a button you can press that does this. Here's a button that, you know, turns it blue. Here's some movement, et cetera, et cetera. And then you can run the show. You can hit the faders. You can hit the button and run it along to your friend's music. But what I would probably suggest to you is you guys, you know, through your friend's band, get in contact. You tell your friend's band, look, you know, this is more than I can do because this is a professional level console and we don't have time to program. But what you can do is your friend's band, when they're talking to, you know, to the management of the festival, they can say, hey, we're bringing a guy who knows our show, who knows our music and who's going to help with the lighting. But he's not going to actually run it. 
And what you can do is then get there, you know, talk to the festival's designer, realize that they're very busy and they're not going to have a lot of time. They're probably lighting bands all day, um, but catch them in a quick break or something. And, and once they've had a chance to go to the bathroom and grab some nachos, um, you know, sit down and talk to them. And, you know, just as the show goes on, you know, just be there with that person and say, hey, this next song, you know, is a slower song. You know, I really like to use these colors, this song, you know, and, and then, you know, as you're going through a particular song, you might say, hey, guitar solo coming up in, you know, just a few seconds, you know, go, you know, you can, you can give him hints and tips like that, which is probably going to be more effective. Again, there's a lot I don't know about this situation, but it's probably going to be more effective for your bands, your friends bands show than you actually running the lights because this person, the lighting designer for the show knows the rig. He knows how he has the console laid out. He's got a setup to be able to run lights live for bands whose music he doesn't know. And, you know, he, he knows the console, which are all things that you don't know well. And so I would stick with, you know, get to know your friends, show well, show up and have either printed out and or digitally some notes that go along with each song in the set list. Feel free to hand those notes to the LD, but even better than that, you know, hang out there with the LD and tell them, hey, this song, this is what's going to happen. This song, upbeat. This song, mid-tempo. You know, this song, blah, blah, blah. And then as you go through the song, tell them, hey, you know, you know, solo here on the bridge. This is going to happen, etc. You know, let them know. And then they're going to be able to make a great show. So that's going to be my best advice for you for not having a lot of information. Um, you know, you could cram and try to learn MA2, but ultimately you're still not going to know their rig and how they've set things up. And you're still, um, and you're still not going to know, you know, how to uh, make all that happen. So with that said, um, let's go to our next show. William, our next question, rather, William said, I was wondering what you would do for lighting in a band if there are people in all four sides of the stage and the band needed to be well lit. Thank you. All right, William. So what we usually um, refer to this as is in the round because you know, you've got people not necessarily around a round stage, though sometimes that's the case. Um, you, you got people around, you know, a square stage because um, stage pieces are indeed rectangles. And so, you know, this, this happens a lot, and you've probably seen this before, where, you know, there's a band, they're in the middle, and there's people on all four sides of the stage. So not knowing anything, William, about your experience, what you've used before, what kind of shows this band plays, what size, basically what you got to do is instead of thinking of a stage where people just see it from the front, you just think, okay, now there's four fronts. So you've just got to go ahead and get lights pointed at every front of that stage and really focus on that, you know? So if there's the ability to hang lights in this particular space, again, I'm guessing there's probably not. I'm, I'm guessing it's maybe a smaller show, but you didn't give me any detail there. Then put a lighting tree, you know, a stand, at each corner of the stage. It's going to block, you know, the sight line of a couple people, but it's what you got to do to get these people lit. Then, you know, see so you've got a lighting tree with four lights on it at each of the four corners. That's 16 lights. So then on each tree, two of the lights are going to point to the left, two of the lights are going to point to the right and to hit those sides of the stage. And so then each side of the stage is hit with about two lights. And that's going to light your stage you know, decently for a band, it's going to work. And then, you know, you basically just, you know, are going to have to treat all of it as the same, basically, you know, there's four fronts to it. And so it, it can get a bit complex, you know, you, you really, if you don't have a lot of lights, then all your lights are going to be dedicated to front lighting the band. You don't really have the option when somebody's in the round to have, you know, lights on stage and, you know, have them behind the band per se. If you can hang lights, you know, overhead of the stage, you know, that's great. And that, that can help a lot to add to the mood. But I would recommend if you're just trying to, you know, be able to light the band in the round, you know, get some lights on, on all four sides of the stage on the, in the corners so that you're able to light all four sides well. And then for flashiness and for color and movement and stuff, you know, anywhere else you can put lights, if you can hang them overhead, if you can you know, do, um, you know, a goalpost truss over each side of the stage or something like that, 
you know, you can do some more flashy things, but ultimately, you know, focus first on getting that band well lit and then add lights in wherever you can, probably not on the floor of the stage, et cetera, to, to add in more color there. All right. Ian wrote in, just finished setting up my first uh, lighting installation for a small church in the UK um, of about 250 seats. You have five um, 35 watt LED PARs, three white spots for lighting the speaker, um, and some moving gobos for left and right, plus a hazard. The question is, do I have to put the five colored LED PARs behind the musicians, above the musicians, or in front of them? Um, the ceiling is five meters. It's a modern-looking room. You plan to put the colored park hands above the band and cross them over so there are light paths in the haze. The minister wants them at front, pointing towards the band's faces. Um, but you seem to read that they'd be best behind the band. So who should sit or stand in the line? I mean, poorly front faces. Do, 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 do. I'm just trying to read through this here. You don't have the budget for a DMX controller, so so initially you would use sound to light option, but add DMX later. Um, the church is very small in attendance, but are starting a new venture. So uh, here's what I would do, Ian. Okay, if... So this is a tough question. So, you know, ultimately, I don't want to say you're right, but... <laughs> because um, ultimately your pastor is kind of your client in this case. But, you know, the truth is when you have haze, putting the lights behind the band so they can shine in the haze is going to be your best bet. Now, what I'm probably going to recommend to you, Ian, if you haven't bought this stuff yet, I hope you haven't paid for this stuff yet, or if you have, maybe you can return a little bit of it, is I would return the hazer or maybe return one or two of the uh, colored lights and go buy a console. Okay, that's the first thing I see here. You know, get something like Entex DMXs. It's about $300 US. Um, so it's, you know, I don't know what, what that converts to in your world, but it's not expensive. And what you get when you get a console controlling your lights versus sound active mode is like night and day difference. You know, on a small setup like this, any day, I would rather have a console that allows you to get this level of control Um then have an extra light or two or have a hazer, okay? So I really, really recommend getting a console. We'll link to um, my post about Entex DMXs in the show notes, um, but along with this. But Ian, I really, really, really would recommend that first. So I'm not answering your question, but I totally am. So Entex DMXs page on LSL, Lane Stage Lighting. So, uh, so... You know, my recommendation to you is if you haven't bought the stuff yet, you know, go buy a console and get rid of that hazer. Um, because I love hazers and I think it's great for the lighting and the atmosphere and all that jazz. Um, but ultimately, a console is way more important. And having that control and being able to control the lights and set the mood of the room is way, way more important than having a hazer. Okay? But if you have already bought the stuff or maybe you, you really want the hazer, you know, then then skip on a couple of the LED pars and, and, you know, get that console that said the console is really important. I know money's tight, but it's really, really important. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's my point there. So I'm definitely, you definitely want the gobos, you know, in the rear or even on the sides of the stage to be able to shine the beams through the haze. Um, and, and if they're on the side of the stage, then they can hit the back wall and the haze. Well, but you know, I would definitely focus. I, I know what your pastor's thinking here, and he wants to make sure they're seen well. So make sure, you know, I don't have a lot of info about the size of the stage and all that, but make sure between your white fixtures and your colored fixtures, you have enough light on that stage so that the faces are seen of the band and of the speaker. You can always add in backlights later, okay? But getting your front light nice, especially in a church setting, is actually really important and it's it's a little bit more important than having backlight in haze so those are kind of my recommendations to you ian is you know go ahead focus on getting that great front light if you still have the ability to add some backlights after that do it if not don't and most of all you know do whatever you can get rid of some of those lights off of your order um so that you can get um the console because that's way more important than having an extra light or having a hazer all right, Aiden writes in and says, who is in charge of safety in the theater? Is it OSHA, the local union, 
Is it the same for school theaters and churches? All right, Aiden. So the quick answer to this is um, everyone is. But basically, so OSHA is going to be in charge here. This is a United States question, of course. OSHA is um, basically our government's um, regulatory um, council, per se, for work-related safety. So if people are being paid to do this and it's not all volunteers, then OSHA is in charge. If it's all volunteers, then, you know, it's really going to depend on a lot of things. I mean, in any scenario, you know, ultimately, um, it's going to be, you know, insurance companies and, you know, yourself. I mean, really, you always need to work safe. And I'm not sure why you're asking this question, but basically, you know, when an accident does happen in our world, and it's sad, and I hate it, but when people get hurt, you know, that's when regulation starts to step in, okay? Like, OSHA doesn't make pit stops to theaters, usually. You know, there's a few places they do with permanent theaters in Las Vegas and stuff. You know, they may make trips there. But OSHA does show up when people get hurt, okay? Because they're here to protect the workers. So, you know, kind of in a similar light, um, you know, the insurance company over whoever this is, whether it's a school group, a church group, a, a, a you know, for-profit theater, you know, the insurance companies care about the safety. But ultimately, they're not going to step in and say anything about safety or be there or pay attention to it unless something happens, unless there's an accident, you know, a fire, an electrical malfunction, whatever, you know, they're not going to step in until then. So there's not necessarily a clear cut answer here. And so, and I'm trying to figure out why you're asking this. I don't quite know, but ultimately you are responsibility for safety. You know, if you're working somewhere and you see something that's unsafe, say something and do something about it. And if the people in charge of you don't listen and you still believe it's unsafe, then you need to get out of there, okay? And that can be hard to do, especially if you need the money or, or it's a passion project for you or whatever. But you simply, you, you really need to have a no tolerance policy on safety issues. I think everyone does. Because at the end of the day, you know, we all came to work or to volunteer with five fingers, five toes, you know, four arms. Most of us did, right? Or two arms, two legs. And we need to leave there in that same shape. We need to leave there safe. And so when there's safety issues, you absolutely need to say something. Um, and if nothing gets done, then you need to get out of there. And it doesn't matter if you're needed. That that makes it, you know, if especially if the, they need you, you know, a lot, if you're really good at what you do, then that's going to make a bigger impact on them and, and help them to change. Because, you know, safety, there's there's really nothing more important than safety. And so um, don't worry so much about who's in charge of it, because, I mean, you can file a complaint with OSHA, you know, you can call the insurance company, whatever, and they may or may not do something. But once something happens and someone gets hurt, that's when you can't go back and change it, right? When someone's life has possibly been changed forever or even for a short term, you know, that's 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 important stuff. So I, I don't want to, you know, tread lightly on that. This, this is serious stuff. So, you know, while there might not be a person per se or a group that's necessarily in charge, you know, in quotes, everyone is in charge for the safety. And it's really important to make sure you're being safe. Awesome. So Stacy writes in and says, I just purchased um, some LED PAR 64 lights. And now you have too many light fixtures for your console to be able to individually control each light. So do I go Ethernet with my controller? Um, let's see. So you have a small theater company with 14 LED lights and an elation 12 fixture console with the additional lights you'd have 20 plus lights not sure which direction to go um thank you so much etc so stacy at this point you don't need to go ethernet with your controller and so you have a small theater company i would look at you know this this today might seem to be the entech dmx's show but honestly i would look at entech dmx's so before you go ethernet you need to be using you know i mean not even well, there's no hard and fast rules here, but basically what you get out of a lot of consoles is up to 512 channels of DMX. Now, LED lights are typically going to take three, four, five channels, and moving lights may take up to, you know, your average moving light may take up to 30 channels. So you can fit a lot of that stuff in, 
before you run out of all 512 channels. So a console like what you had, the little Alation, you know, 12 channel console or 12 fixture console, uh, you know, is pretty limited and, and quite limiting. But a console like DMXs, you know, you put it into a Mac or PC, you set up all your scenes, you can use up to 512 channels, however many fixtures you can fit into that. And so, you know, you, this will work with the amount of lights you have for sure. You know, I'm pretty sure. You don't tell me exactly all the specs, but it sure looks like it. So you can fit all those in DMXs. And then the cool thing about DMXs over your current controller is, like I've mentioned before in this podcast, you can just go down the list, set up those scenes, you know, because you're running the theater company, you know, you just set up, you know, maybe a bank for act one and a bank for act two, and then different presets, your scenes in there. You just program all your cues for your theater show. And then you can have somebody click through them. You know, they can even use a little foot pedal and just, you know, you can maybe use it while you watch the show and you press every time you want the scene to go ahead. You could have a stage manager do it and it goes ahead. And so I would really recommend looking at that, Stacy, because it's going to help you a lot. And if you do need more help, um, definitely go to learnstagelighting.com slash labs and check out Learn Stage Lighting Labs. I've got a ton of tutorials on there on how to use DMXs, plus you get access to me to be able to help you uh, really learn how to use it and apply it if you do need more help. So definitely check all those things out. Stacy. we will uh, leave you a link to DMXs um, on Learn Stage Lighting, plus the link to uh, the labs. Awesome. Ivan writes in, because I'm working on live events where it's impossible to use timecode because of the nature of such events, you're always busking um, and you're using a laptop with Martin MPC. Though it's a good software, it's often difficult to achieve what I've imagined without a touchscreen and dedicated controls. So I want to afford myself a console. Therefore, my question is what console would be best for busking? I hope it's not too difficult to answer my question in short. Thanks in advance, Ivan. All right, Ivan. This is actually a pretty easy question to ask because you're already using MPC. Now, you may be aware, Ivan, or you may not be, that MPC was bought by Elation Lighting earlier this year and has now been rebranded as Onyx under the brand name Obsidian Control Systems, okay? So it's the same software, the same people behind it, but a new company owns it. So they still offer the same product line. And what MPC and now Onyx offers that I think is unique and amazing is their M touch and M play controllers. Okay. And you know, having a touchscreen PC, I think is great. I think it's super helpful. And you know, you can get a 13 inch touchscreen laptop that matches the specs, at least here in the U S I don't know where you are, but here in the U S you can get one that's refurbished for, you know, three to $400. Then I would go ahead and pick up an M touch and or an M play. Okay. So, these guys, the difference between the two basically is, you know, you may be familiar with them. If not, you know, I'll link to my pages in the show notes on the M-Touch and M-Play. And, you know, what you're going to do is the M-Touch has less faders and buttons to play back things, but it has a programming section. The M-Play, you know, they're both the same physical size. The M-Play is all playback and has no programming controls. So what I would like to do, Ivan, I would suggest is that you lay things out that you set it up so that you've got, you know, I would probably buy the M touch first because it's going to enable you to program faster and an M touch with the touchscreen laptop, man, I've got a 13 inch touchscreen laptop with an M touch and I can do some great stuff with it. You know, I, I like to pull out the M play and, you know, maybe second touchscreen monitor and all that is gravy, but ultimately, you know, even that setup of the M touch with the laptop, I love it so much. It's a great setup. I love how I can just, you know, pull it out of my bag and literally, you know, test things on the rig fully off of battery power off my laptop. I mean, that's cool. And so I would recommend definitely checking that out um, on the fly. And if you are looking for more info um, as well, I'll just put a side note here. Inside of uh, Learn Stage Lighting Labs, the sponsor of our show, I have a full action plan called Puntastical that walks you through how to program and set up a console for the best busking experience. So it shows you how to run lights live and on the fly and how to best set things up no matter what hardware you have. Awesome. Our next question here is from Justine. 
All right, so Justine writes in, and I think this is going to be my last question for today because we're approaching uh, 45 minutes already, and I don't want to go over an hour with this show for sure. Um, so those of you guys that sent in questions that I didn't get to today, we'll get to those in two weeks. Um, and if you you know you do want answers sooner or more personalized attention, of course, you know go ahead and check out Learn Stage Lighting Labs, which is where I can give you that that more in depth uh, personalized instruction. So. Justine wrote in and said, so I work as the uh, LDVJ slash audio person at a large club. So you're doing it all. Um, you have hip hop and EDM events on a weekly basis. On hip hop nights, you create some really cool effects and amaze even yourself. But during EDM nights, despite loving the music, um, your timing can be off. There's industry related people um, getting in your space and they're really judging everything you're doing. Um, in my city, the EDM scene is filled with some familiar faces, and it's nice that everyone knows each other, but it makes you and other lighting people just anxious when they're all hanging around you. I understand that. So your question is, how do you shut out those distractions um, and, you know, really focus when you're getting distracted by people, when you have to deal with audio or, you know, other special effects, Um and you want to be able to prove you're capable of complimenting your favorite artists. Um, you know that you need to memorize everything you've programmed and how they work together. You're using an M-series controller, um, now Onyx. But it seems like nothing you put out there is good enough for some people that are breathing down your neck. Um, you know, that combined with AV issues can make a show go downhill. Um, you know, you have almost a year experience in, in being female or major hurdles, and so... Um, you want to persevere and rise up. I tell you, Justine, um, I feel you. You know, it's tough when you're first starting in this business, okay? And, you know, I've got to tell you the first thing, you know, I notice here, especially on the, the feminine side of things, is that um, I got to tell you, you know, some of the best lighting people and some of the best lighting techs and LDs I've worked with are women, you know, straight up. I mean, guys are fine, you know, but, and I'm a guy, but, you know, I think it's because, you know, there's there's definitely an inequality in the workplace and women get judged harder. You know, they work harder to overcome that and they always do, pretty much do an awesome job. You know, I've met very few women in this industry that aren't awesome at what they do. So um, with so definitely, you know, I think there's um there's something that that's something that a lot of people don't understand that, you know, you know, they they for whatever reason have this prejudice in them and it sucks and I hate it. But, you know women are great at what they do in this industry. Now, second part, um, how do you make this work? So, ah, oh, this is so tough. You know, obviously you know what you're doing, but you're doing everything on your plate during these shows. And so, you know, if these people, there's going to be an expectation set. Okay. That's the first thing. And, you know, this might have to come from your boss, whoever that is, if it's the owner of the venue or whatnot, because, they have to set the expectation and they need to let these people know, hey, you may see a big show, you know, on YouTube or on TV and want to get that here. And we're going to do our best to give you that. But keep in mind that big show had, you know, a, a dedicated lighting designer, maybe a dedicated programmer along with it, dedicated lighting techs, dedicated audio people, one at the stage at, or more and one in the back. You know, they had a dedicated VJ. So, what they're asking you to do is like the job of four people and you know in a smaller venue or in you know this venue you're in you may be able to tackle all those things and, and do a darn good job and it seems like you can but you know the the issue is it's like they've got to set that expectation first you know with these people and say hey you need to give her space. You know, you need to get this from your boss. Say, you know, I need a little bit of space. I need them to not breathe down my neck and, and they need to let me work. And, you know, if they can't abide by those rules, if they can't respect your space, you know, just like you're respecting the artist space and, you know, all of that, then you might have to quit, you know, doing those nights. You know, have that hard conversation with, you know, your management or your boss and say, you know, I'm doing the best I can. And these people are still, you know, driving me up the wall and, you know, I'm not going to take it. And you might have to say, you know, I love this building. I love to do the other nights. I'd love to do that, but you might need to find somebody else for these nights. 
And you know what they're going to find when they replace you, you know, for those specific nights? They're going to find that whoever they get is probably not better because they haven't been in that room for, you know, as long as you have. And, you know, you've worked hard at this and you're doing a great job. And it's like, it's such a tough situation. But what I'd just like to kind of focus in on is just that, you know, you're doing a great job, but if they can't give you the space that you need to get your work done, then you need to tell them that you can't do these nights anymore. And I know that that can be really tough because you want to do them and it's a paycheck and all that stuff, but you might have to step away from a season and let them put someone else in the mix and see that it's not any better. Okay. Because under these circumstances, nobody's going to be able to do great work, right? You can't focus when you've got, you know, all these areas of responsibility, which you can handle, but then also have people, you know, breathing down your neck and, and being a pain. I know I've been there. I've dealt with that and it never works out well. You, you can't focus, you know, I mean, the best thing to do is breathe deeply, you know, say, I don't care what they think and move on with it, but it, it's a tough situation and I don't want to discount this. I don't want to be like, you know, Hey, you know, just get over it because it's, it's a tough situation. So I hope that helps Justine. Um, in closing, um, thank you guys for listening to the show notes, links and, uh, to the show and the notes to all these questions and all that jazz is at learnstagelighting.com slash 034 for episode 34. And uh, if you did enjoy this show, maybe I answered your question and it helped you. It, could you go ahead to learnstagelighting.com slash iTunes and leave a rating or review? You know, just type in, you know, how many stars you, you believe this show deserves. I hope I just get five stars from you. And, you know, just leave a couple words about something you learned or something this show helps with. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening today. Next week, I'm really excited. We're going to be back in the main segment in the news. We're going to be talking about lighting for video part two, going deep into de a little more detail about how you can get your lighting to look great on video and also great in the room at the same time. I'll see you guys there. Thanks. And that's it for today's show. Thank you for listening to the Learn Stage Lighting Podcast. Be sure to visit us at LearnStageLighting.com to see show notes, past episodes, and download a free guide on how to begin with lighting in your specific context. I'll see you guys on the site. Thanks. Thanks.